0: Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Monday, September 12th. We've got a great show for you coming up today, and I want to make sure that you guys know, as I've said many times, make sure you are using a travel advisor out there. We all know that the best way to plan travel is to ask a travel advisor, and the best way to connect with clients for advisors is to let them do just that. Get social and find engaging, shareable posts, talk travel with prospective customers, and be inspired to create your own content when you follow ALG Vacations at Ask a Travel Advisor, ALGV, on Facebook and TikTok. Be sure to give them a follow. They have great content on the social channels there. Love that. And speaking of ALGV, we've got the ALG Ascend Conference coming up next month, which I will be at, and I hope you will be too. If uh, you're going to be there, give me a shout, and let's meet up in person. It would be great to connect. Last year, they had it at Dreams Vista, and I had a golf course view outside my balcony and i'm just like ah, oh, I, I want that all the time I, I want that all the time huge golf fan huge sports fan you guys know that we're going to talk a little bit of sports travel today too really exciting stuff and now joining me on the show today is jason gewertz executive editor and publisher of sports travel welcome to the show jason how you doing
1: doing great eric thanks for having me appreciate it
0: awesome tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role in uh, sports travel and your work in the in the sports travel industry
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. It is a fantastic industry. Uh, my background is in daily journalism. I was a newspaper reporter and editor uh, for almost 15 years uh, until I fell into Sports Travel Magazine at the time. And when I heard about it, uh, I didn't know anything about it. You know this publication existing, but immediately it caught my eye for two of my favorite things in the world, uh, sports and travel. And so sports travel is a publication that caters to the sports event industry. Our readers are sports organizations at all levels that have events to organize. So that can be everything from a youth softball tournament all the way up to the NFL uh, Super Bowl or the Olympics. Uh, And then the other part of our audience are destinations and venues interested in hosting those events. So that's the, uh, the world that we cover, we publish sports travel magazine and we also organize a, a conference called the Teams Conference and Expo uh, which brings uh, that universe uh, together in person and uh, we can talk about this too but we also organize an event uh, around in-person esports events which is one of the latest trends in uh, sports related travel for video games and esports competitions so we write a little bit about everything, um, I absolutely love it, the chance to travel to places and see sports events and, and write about sports from a maybe a different different perspective than what you would get certainly out of, you know, ESPN or sports illustrated or some of the outlets you'd go for to find the scores. We're more interested in how the events were produced and and organized, which makes it kind of fun.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, more of an industry focus, which is definitely needed on that. And the sports travel world is big. It's bigger than you probably think out there, whoever you are listening at this moment. And <laughs> Jason and I are going to discuss that in the world of sports travel a little bit later in the show. But first, as we do for every episode, in case this is your first time listening to the show, we're going to dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin first with some big Disney news. It was revealed this past weekend at the D23 Expo. A ton of Disney news between the parks, the resorts, and the cruise lines and all that. There was so much that I often wonder, too. I, this happens every year, D23. And I often wonder, I'm like, what, do they need to dump everything all at once? And it's like, I, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, you dominate the news space for... Uh, a weekend, essentially, and and on into the next week. But I've always uh, I've always been iffy on that. It's like why not stagger it out? But it, I don't know. That's a whole PR thing, I guess, for them. But I mean, they dominate the weekend there. And I'm just going to quickly recap some of the biggest stuff there. You have uh, Mickey's Toontown will reopen in early 2023. The Tron Light Cycle Run roller coaster ride uh, has been long anticipated and for a while. It seems like they've been building that forever. If you've been to Disney in the recent years, but um. That is set to open in spring of 2023, so no exact date yet, but exciting that we have a, an opening time frame, at least for that. And then you've got Tiana's Bayou Adventure, which is replacing Splash Mountain in Disneyland and Disney World. That will open in 2024. Epcot will have a new nighttime show next year, and the uh, return of the fan-favorite Happily Ever After nighttime show at Magic Kingdom will also come back next year. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway it will all be co- coming to Disneyland soon, too. Avengers Campus at Disneyland... We'll have a third attraction and a brand new story. More details on that are coming later down, but we do know that it'll feature a King Thanos, a Thanos that won if you're uh, big into the Avengers Land of, of of things there that should be interesting, um, and also uh, really kind of a takeaway for me is this uh, new expansion talk that's coming up. It's anytime parks expand in these theme parks, uh, it's always interesting to see where they can go. Especially with Disney, they have so many you know characters that they can pull from and stories that they can do. So there's new expansion talk coming to Magic Kingdom someday. We don't know when, but they kind of um, played a bit of a what if game there at D23. But we do know that it we do know that it'll be expansion beyond the Big Thunder Mountain area of Magic Kingdom. Uh, And it could bring a Coco ride and and Kanto attraction and a villains themed area. So kind of exciting there. And then over in Animal Kingdom, Dino Land is going to be reimagined. Again, we don't know when we don't know exact details on what it would bring, but it could bring a Moana and Zootopia attractions and rides. So, Jason, we've got big things here headed for the Disney parks in the future. So what excites you the most?
1: Uh, you had me a Tron Light Cycle, okay. so uh, I'm of a certain age that uh, I'm kind of looking forward to that one uh, in particular. But I also have a 12 year old son. We are all in on the Avengers and the Marvel universe, and so uh, you kind of had me there as well. That anything related to more or less anything on that franchise is big news here in my house. So uh, I'm looking forward to the Avengers activity there as well.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I kind of teased my answer a little bit in that the whole expansion talk that I'm, I'm excited about that. I love that, you know, the new aspects of thing. I mean, all this is new really too. I'm excited for the Tiana's Bayou adventure and to see how they replace Splash Mountain. I think that's going to yeah. be really cool. And, and that movie didn't have any sort of attraction to it. So I'm I'm excited for that. I think that will be really good. And that, I think that ride needed, really needed an update too for a lot of, a lot of reasons, um, but yeah, expansion talk is really exciting. the The fact that you could bring in um, a villains themed area has been something that has been hyped up a lot for a Disney aspects of, of of you know attractions or rides or anything really. I mean, you, we've got Halloween coming up. They're already doing their boogie bash and stuff, and people dress up in costumes and as villains. and um, I was there. These are pre pandemic times. I want to say I was like twenty seventeen. I think I was at one of those uh, Halloween things and my wife was like over the moon at seeing like someone dressed as Maleficent and they went all out. I mean, people go all out for these costumes. So I think a villains themed area would do really well for them if they do that. And then I know a lot of people don't particularly love Dinoland. Some people are like huge about it. Others are like, nah, I'm good. So I love the fact that uh, Zootopia could be getting something that doesn't, it's a, it's a great movie. If you've never seen it, but it doesn't get a whole lot of love in the, in the Disney as, uh, aspect of things and the whole uh, parks and, and everything I should say you don't see a ton of it and you know there are other popular more movies so I totally get that but I love the the, the idea of expansion stuff and then yeah obviously Avengers Campus stuff I'm, I'm a huge Marvel fan as well so I think that would be really cool I've never actually been to the Avengers Campus at Disneyland I was supposed to go and on the opening but then they delayed it with the COVID and everything and then they just sort of made it a local thing for the media opening and then I have yet to get out to California. On that, I've been in on a lot of trade show uh, travel stuff, so I haven't had a chance to get out there, but I I definitely will sometime next year. Hopefully, yeah, after baby number two comes, maybe we yeah, can convince. That's the way. right.
1: Yeah, we're we're set for a trip to California next year as well. So I'm. This is uh, all timely for me yeah. as well. I have a feeling some of this stuff will be on our agenda.
0: All right, love love that love that. So that's big news on this Disney Parks side of things. There's also a lot of stuff too with you know, the Disney resorts and the Disney uh, theme parks outside of the US here. But I do want to touch on the other, probably one of the biggest news they had is uh, that they announced in the cruise line side of things. And that's uh, the Disney Treasure is going to be a new ship uh, name. And it'll be their sixth ship for Disney Cruise Line. And that's going to set sail in 2024. It will have a main, its main statue, which all Disney's ships have. You, You walk in in the Grand Hall and this one will feature the Aladdin, Jasmine and Magic Carpet. As a, as a statue, so that should be pretty interesting. And then other elements from Agrabah, which is the uh, city of mystery in the Aladdin movie, um, coupled with authentic Asian and African influence, will also be featured throughout the cruise ship. So that's pretty exciting there. If you've never been on a Disney Cruise Line ship and you have little ones that like Disney, you definitely should look into that because it, will, it takes the magic to the next level for for the Disney. I think you really have to be like really into Disney to get on the Disney Cruise Line ships, <laughs> um, just from personal experience. But if you... You know, like Disney a little bit. I think you're still going to have a good time. They they do a really great job with the the family cruise aspect, uh, the side of things. Are you a big cruiser, Jason?
1: No, not a big cruiser, Eric. Uh, It's an interesting area. We it's one area that we don't uh, touch on as much in sports travel, but I'm intrigued by it and uh, just kind of excited to hear. As with all things in the travel industry, just uh, everything coming back. You know, some things have been slower than others. Um, but to me, it just excites me to hear uh, of all these opportunities and and investment, even for a group like Disney, um, you know, to be putting another ship out there and, and just be thinking about the future that in itself in itself is exciting to me at the moment.
0: Absolutely. And that brings us into other cruise news is there other is exciting stuff of, of getting back to normal, if you will. So Viking announced that new, uh, four new ships are going to be built um, coming soon. And the final one of those four will come out in 2027, which feels like forever away, but it, it's actually not. <laughs> It'll be here sooner than you think. Virgin Voyage has updated its protocols and now will allow all guests. Previously, only 10% of guests could be unvaccinated, but now everyone is welcome. However, unvaccinated guests will still need to provide a negative COVID test taken within 72 hours of sailing or pay $30 to take one at the terminal when you arrive. So these new guidelines go into effect on Sunday September 18th. And Marguerite of Elle at sea is offering free cruises to military members, first responders, police officers, and educators. So I've seen the various promos of, you know, offering free things to, you know, just the military or just free things to, you know, first responders. That was big during 2020 with the with COVID and everything, but this is the lumps everything in there. And I absolutely love that. So I'd love to see more cruise lines uh, offer stuff out like this, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree, Eric. I, I, why not? I mean, it seems like such a great opportunity and and uh, you can see programs like that expanding throughout the travel industry as well.
0: Absolutely. And jumping over to air travel news, as the big stuff there was United and American executives said last week that the demand for air travel is remaining strong for the fall. And the Department of Transportation Secretary, Pete Buttigieg, believes that airlines will get better by the holidays, saying, quote, I think it's going to get better by the holidays. We're really pressing the airlines to deliver better service. They need to be ready to service the tickets that they are selling. So, Jason, your thoughts. How do you how do you think this will shape up in the holiday travel season? Things have been quite hectic over the summer and we'll see what we get in the fall. But I mean, it should be obviously less because that is just natural for the time of year in the fall. But holiday mm. season could be dicey. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, it looks to me like things are very strong as someone who's been traveling quite a bit uh, the last couple of months and with several trips, uh, you know, almost every other week for me uh, here in the next few months to come. It's something I, I look at closely and monitor as well. We do uh, even in our uh, publications. But um, yeah, I mean, anecdotally for me, things do seem to be very strong for the fall, just from the talking to the worlds uh, that we cover and that we talk about as well. Um, I feel like I've been lucky. I haven't had uh, the experience that I know a lot of people have been having with flight delays and and cancellations. So maybe it's just a matter of time or uh, maybe I figured out how to uh, (laughs) dodge the bullet at the moment. Um, But uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, You know, similarly, like we were talking before, just to even hear talk of of things coming back and, and. Being so strong, uh, I'm based in Denver, and and pretty much every time I'm at the airport now, it is busy. There are people traveling. There is no doubt about it, Um, and I I would expect the same to be true throughout the fall as well.
0: Absolutely, I've been through uh, the airport numerous times this year. Um, August was probably my busiest travel month that I had, and each time, yeah, it seemed like more and more people were getting there. Uh, Our sister publication, Travel Weekly, they just ran a story about like airport lounges are also getting like way crowded i think a lot of travelers have figured out like the benefits of having that and they're paying for it and then they're <laughs> now you're getting there and uh you're yeah i've not paid for an airport lounge so i don't i don't have that in my expense budget uh, <laughs> i don't think that would be allowed but as a personal thing i i'm also one that i'd love to people watch at an airport too so i'm cool with just sitting out in the gate um, let me get my regular food my basic um meal you know fast food or a, or a wrap or a sandwich or something and then yeah, I just like to just see what's going on in people. I also play a personal game myself. I'm sure it's uh, it's not necessarily a personal game. Everyone, not everyone plays this. Excuse me, I don't want to speak in absolutes, but I'm sure a lot of people play this game. Is can you spot the spy? So that's one thing I do. Mm-hmm. They they might actually be in lounges. I don't know, <laughs> but I'm I'm sure you, can, sure you could play that there. But yeah, those are getting crowded. And I think people are figuring that out. So yes, airports and airlines definitely getting busier. The demand is there. That's great for the travel industry. But if you're thinking about traveling this holiday season you you got to book now you don't you should have mm-hmm. booked yesterday you know um according to cheapair.com's 2022 holiday flight report thanksgiving airline ticket prices are up by 25% compared to 2021's average price while christmas and new year's eve flights uh have climbed 28% so definitely jump on that and um book book now if you have yet to do
1: so yeah, I'm glad we're hosting Thanksgiving this year, so uh, we've got people coming to us, but maybe it sounds like the year to do that. <laughs>
0: nice. Yeah, I don't actually know how Thanksgiving will work out for me this year. My wife mentioned, like, maybe we'll just do Popeyes or whatever, because she's, she's due with our, our second child, and it like it's due, like, the first week of December, or he is due the first week of December, it's not an it, I know it's a he, so <laughs> he, he is due the first week of December, really, is when we'll schedule the C-section, but he could come early. My sister just had a baby a couple weeks ago, and she came early, so... You never know with with babies and their arrival time. So we might be doing Thanksgiving at a hospital. We might just (laughs) keep it low-key at my house because all my family lives like a bit too far away for, for comfort, you know, for driving to be far away from the hospital and everything. So I think we'll... We'll keep it low-key on Thanksgiving.
1: I, I think you're allowed to pass this year, Eric.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll have every most people over for, for Christmas time, essentially. Or, I don't know, my sister just had her first baby, so she might get dibs on who hosts, you know, and mm-hmm. who wants to host and, and stuff. But, yeah, if you haven't figured that stuff out with your family, you guys should be jumping on that here in the middle of September <laughs> and, and getting your travel plan situated. That is for sure. But I, I think it'll be, I mean, it'll definitely be a busy holiday travel season, but I think airlines, I'm going to, I'm going to err on the uh, optimistic side here and, and focus on the positives and, and uh, hope and pray that, you know, it's definitely not as bad as what we saw on Memorial day weekend. And, you know, we didn't see that Labor day weekend. You saw some, but you know, holiday time, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is always the busiest. So that's going to be a real test of, you know, how things are at that time. And then, you know, airlines and airports will have to adjust and accommodate for, you know Christmas time, but Thanksgiving is usually busier.
1: Yeah, I'd say in between, Eric. I mean, I'm noticing even from recent flights that I've booked. I mean, I've had some very reasonable fares of late. I'm even going back for a family uh, occasion in October back east, uh, just because I was able to find a you know pretty affordable airfare. But I recognize that's not during the holidays. But we've been seeing that uh, kind of go down the uh, last couple of weeks.
0: Yes, and speaking of family, that gets us to our last piece of air travel news here and what has been trending in the last week of travel. Frontier is actually giving away 100 free flights to grandmas and grandpas out there. So... Jason I love the promo idea here but uh, I feel like they could have done more than 100 I don't know that's just me I feel like yeah, they 100, 100
1: seems a little low to me as well come on frontier I mean right, it's, a yeah. nice, uh, <laughs> it's a nice it's a nice um statement but uh, I agree there's probably more than 100 grandmas and grandpas out there who would love to fly for for, for a
0: Exactly cheaper. exactly and maybe they should jump on what Margaritaville sees doing and, and loop in military members first responders police officers and educators but I don't know I mean the promos and travel they they sure are Interesting in that. And yes, definitely more than 100 out there that deserve
1: that. I agree. I mean, uh, grandmas and grandpas love to fly as much as anyone, if not more so. Uh, You're a great example as well. There are always uh, new grandkids to meet and and life events that they want to be at. So uh, I I like the idea behind it as well. It'll be interesting to see who picks up on that, as, as you were saying.
0: Definitely. And I, I, I got to say with Frontier, you know, they're, they're doing this promo. They had done like $19 flights a couple of weeks ago or a month ago or something, whatever it was. But you know, since they didn't get that deal with Spirit and everything, I feel like they are <laughs> jumping out in front on doing anything they can with promos and, you know, cheap flights and all that stuff to, to, to drum up the business. They, they definitely need that.
1: For sure. Yeah. Agreed.
0: Well, that wraps up what has been trending in travel. Any additional thoughts, you can drop me an email at podcast at So now we're going to jump over to our theme of the show this week on the sports travel world. And Jason, the sports travel industry, I don't think people realize uh, how massive it actually is. So can you tell us a little bit more about the world of sports travel, its size, and, and really too, how did the pandemic impact or, or change things over the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to, Eric. And thanks again for having me on to talk about this. This is something obviously that we live and breathe pretty much every day. And as I was saying at the tail end, even when I first came across sports travel as a publication, I had no idea that there would be something dedicated to this industry. And the more you hear about it, the more you learn about it, uh, it is extraordinary. The uh, The breadth of it, the scope of it. Um, I think you know a lot of people, when we think about sports, of course, we think about some of the big things. NFL season, of course, just started this week. And there are uh, high profile events you know from the super bowl or the olympics these are things we write about um but anyone who has children especially knows that uh, sports related travel exists in massive numbers uh, at the other end of the spectrum at the youth uh, end and we write about and and cover organizations there as well we were involved uh, in sponsoring some research that the uh, sports events and tourism association put out uh, this year and uh, they did one uh, two years ago, uh, I guess right before the pandemic, so it actually was a, like a perfect benchmark as to where the industry was looking at economic data of sports-related travel, who's going somewhere to attend or participate in the sporting event. And their numbers uh, in 2019, right before you know the world fell off the cliff there, showed that uh, sports-related travel, particularly just at the youth end and at the collegiate sports end, accounted for $45 billion in direct spending. So Ooh they had this benchmark of 45 billion which is a you know an enormous number that didn't that study didn't even include uh, professional sports so that's looking mostly at youth and and collegiate sports and so they just redid that study uh, this year taking a look at what happened in 2020 you know how far it went down and more importantly how things started to recover even last year alone as we still had some restrictions and uh, of that 45 billion you know that they had as a benchmark their study showed that sports related travel in 2021 So last year was almost entirely caught up at thirty nine point seven billion dollars just in direct spending. When you look at indirect spending, you know, jobs that are created, all all the other things that come along with that, um, the total impact was close to one hundred billion dollars. So we're looking at an enormous industry. That covers everyone from you know four year olds playing soccer uh, all the way up to you know the most high profile events that you that you can think of. And what's interesting about our industry, as I alluded to, it's not just people going to attend uh, a game to watch their favorite team or to be part of um, you know some sort of experience or competition, like say the Olympics or the World Cup, just to be part of that. In a lot of cases, they're going to participate themselves. Uh, marathons. Uh, 5K's triathlons, these sort of mass participation events are some of the largest scale, you know, economic events that we write about where people are going to um to compete themselves or maybe bring their family along, certainly if it's a you know, if it's a a destination event, if they've qualified for the Boston Marathon, say they're they're probably not just going to go themselves. They're going to bring uh, the loved ones in their lives yep. to watch them uh, have this experience and and stay over and and you know stay a few days before after all of it. Uh, so it's an enormous industry, Eric. That I think most people don't necessarily think about. You know, you watch a, a sports event, the Final Four, or the Super Bowl, and uh, I think we inherently know that those organizations don't just show up and have their event. These are uh, competitions that are very very competitively bid on by destinations. Um, You know, in some cases, you might have 20 or 30 cities bidding uh, for the rights to hold just one event uh, because of the impact that it has.
0: Right, yeah, it can bring in so many, so many dollar bills out there. And you mentioned, you know, the 21 numbers. I'm really going to be intrigued to see what 2022 brings. And I'm gonna have to follow up with you later on this because once those numbers do come out, you know, sometime next year, whenever it is on the calendar stuff for you guys, but I'm gonna have to follow up on that because 2022 is a huge year for sports. You know, you've had, uh, we've got the World Cup, world cup coming up later this year which should be very intriguing for you you know for cutter and stuff so i'm i'm intrigued by the numbers on that and that's good that we're you know you guys are sports travel world is almost almost back to what the the pre-pandemic numbers are and you mentioned marathons and stuff too a lot of people don't think about that i have a fun story about that i was uh, up in New York for the New York. I was not running in the New. I'm not a runner. Let's <laughs> let me let me let me clarify that here. I am not a runner. I am not a marathoner. Um, when it comes to running, we'll say. But uh, I was up for New York, and I was there because I was getting ready to go on a flight out to Egypt. So we spent a couple of days in New York beforehand. Turned out to be the New York Marathon weekend. Uh, obviously, I'm not a runner, so it wasn't aware to me until we got there. I was like, <laughs> oh, cool. And then it was a Saturday that we were there, and that's you know the bigger race was next day, and. And I'm, uh, we, it's college football season at the time, too. This is November. So I'm at a uh, Georgia sports-affiliated bar for uh, UGAM alumni are there. I'm, I'm a, you know, Go dogs and everything. If you've listened to the podcast, you folks know that. I'm a huge Georgia fan here. So I'm at this bar, and it's, it's jam-packed, and Georgia fans everywhere loving this, having a great time, making small talk with people. Turns out, you know, we, these people here are coming up. They came up for the marathon. That's why they're here. They're going to run in it. Their husbands are running in it. They're there to support them. Small world, turns out they were my childhood dentists, which was ridiculous. It was crazy, but I'm I'm getting off on too much of a tangent there. But it just goes to show you, yeah, I mean, that's the power of sports right there.
1: Yeah, and you you asked me before, you touched on it, uh, this notion of kind of how sports-related travel did during the pandemic. And what was really interesting, obviously, we saw the high profile. Profile stuff. You know, when the NBA shut down their season that day on on March eleventh, um, the rest of the professional sports world kind of came along with them and and you know stayed shut down for a period of time. Uh, but they were some of the first organizations, just in general in society, to come back online and to figure out a way to do it gradually at first. What was very interesting, Eric, for us kind of following things was what was happening at the youth sports level, where to a large extent, outdoor events really didn't take that much of a hit. I mean, we had stories coming back to us just anecdotally from destinations saying that in some cases for those first few months as things were starting to come back online, some of the only business they had was sports related uh, youth tournaments, outdoor stuff, you know, softball, lacrosse, things that could be at the time safely held or perceived as as safely held. And there were cases of, of destinations whose almost entire portfolio of hotel business was sports related travel uh, at that youth and amateur level. Uh, events were still happening. Uh, kids were still traveling. Families were still traveling. It was amazing uh, for us. To, to see that and track it. And as things started to come back online, even when you think of a venue like a convention center, which obviously is built to host meetings and conventions, some of the very first events that were coming back to those kinds of venues were not meetings and conventions. They were volleyball tournaments, um, you know, in some cases wow. with tens of thousands of kids rotating in and out, you know, on, on schedules that were uh, changed and, and adapted, again, you know, with safety and protocols in mind. But yeah. uh, as we saw major conventions slow to come back, a lot of these convention centers we're hosting uh, events like volleyball for 30,000, 40,000 kids over over a weekend. So that was certainly encouraging to us uh, in the world, you know, the specific world of travel that we cover, just to see that uh, happen and to hear the surprise from uh, other colleagues we have on the meetings and convention side, you know, cover the industry saying there was what kind of event at the convention center? Yeah, and, that's... And, and, it was, it was amazing to track. So, uh, it was, it was fast to come back and you saw that too, even at the professional level, I mean, more gradual, uh, for sure. As we saw, you know, the different protocols and percentages of fans that were allowed and all of that. And of course, as we talk now, pretty much everything is back up and running, uh, at this point, but it wasn't, wasn't always that case.
0: Crazy, right? Yeah. But I mean, the, the, you wouldn't think and the whole, a lot of people out there probably don't realize, um, the youth sports, you know, really dominates the the sports travel scene out there and it's more than just the summer. Obviously the summer is going to be really busy because kids are not in school, but you know, it's it's crucial as you mentioned to the hotel hotel chains out there and it was during the pandemic times and it still will remain as we move forward. And the big stuff right now though is football season as the NFL just kicked off. This past weekend, college football has been out for, for two weeks now, well, three weeks technically if you count week zero, but it is uh, week three on the, the calendar of, of this college football season coming up. So just how busy and important is football to the overall world of sports travel? And because obviously it's, you know, it's America's number one sport. So when you think of the sports travel world that we're talking about here, I mean, you've got airlines, they add new routes for college football and NFL games. You don't really hear that about others, you know?
1: Uh, it's true. So uh, football, make no doubt about it, American football is is king here. Um, we see it even in the stories that we write. And interestingly, during the pandemic, some of our most viewed stories uh, at our website, sportstravelmagazine.com, were stories we did about uh, NFL protocols. Uh, if you remember, there was a hodgepodge there uh, for a while yeah. of stadiums that were completely closed or partially open. Everyone had their own regula- regulations, and we tracked those. And the uh, the amount of interest we got from consumer sports fans who suddenly were finding us as an outlet, um, who wouldn't necessarily otherwise be interested in the you know the nuances that we write about the sports industry, were very interested to uh, hear about you know whether they could uh, attend a game in any particular city. Uh, the NFL is a great example, Eric. You know they are They've been expanding overseas, and this year they have the most number of games outside the U.S. uh, regular season that they've ever had. They'll have four games in the U.K., two games in Germany. First time they've been in Germany during the regular season. They get Tom Brady for one of those games, which uh, I'm sure they were happy he unretired. And then they have a game in Mexico City as well. So we're seeing um, organizations like the NFL not just uh, thinking nationally and domestically. They are very clearly looking internationally at their events and holding these significant games, regular season games that count um, in these different destinations. They've been in London for years, and as I said, they're now up to to four games. Um, And the same is true, of course, with college football. Congratulations to you with your embarrassment of riches at Georgia. I'm a graduate of the University of Colorado. We're two games into the season. Our season is more or less over. Um, So, uh, But it's one of those things, Eric, we talk about it all the time, particularly with college football in the U.S. Um, If you are an, uh, an alumni from a school, your connection to that team, in many cases, is Stronger even than your connection to your professional sports team, uh, particularly in football. So uh, my wife and I will travel and see, you know, what unfortunately has become a miserable Colorado team because we, uh, we we're in it. We love it. You know, we love that team win or lose. And we're going to go someplace if they're playing uh, in a great game or a great destination. Um, and, you know, certainly for a team like yours in, in Georgia, as you mentioned, we see airlines uh, that we really don't see in almost any other sport um, changing their routes during football season. Uh, around the big games to uh, where they know that certain teams have incredible fan bases that travel, um, you know, the, the best traveling fan base. And we had a researcher on recently who studies these things, uh, may not come as much surprise, uh, but Notre Dame, uh, that's why you see Notre yeah. Dame play so many games outside of South Bend in neutral sites. They are, you know, b- by far the fan base with the, the most people who travel. Um, and it's a real deal, and you see airlines, uh, you know, directing their their routes accordingly, which is amazing. We don't see that in very many other sports, if any.
0: Right? Yeah. Don't want to check those Notre Dame stats at the end of this year because they just <laughs> lost to Marshall over the weekend. Uh, so they yes, had maybe, a,
1: maybe maybe those numbers are a little less the, this week that we're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, they're
0: though. they're zero and two right now. So that should be uh, hopefully they they their fans still <laughs> travel. I mean, that's the the beauty of college football, as you mentioned. So yeah, yeah, I, I'm. I'm with that on, on you all the way with that. I mean, in the NFL, too, trying to go global, the NBA has done a really good job going global just in terms of their global brand. They don't actually play as many games outside of the U.S. where the NFL is like, we got to play games outside of the U.S. to get our brand bigger because football is an American sport. You know, when True, you say... but,
1: but the NBA there. is doing it in more subtle ways as well. I mean, they are very invested. Uh, they have long had operations in Asia. They're one of the only uh, major... North American True. professional sports franchises that has operations in Africa across the continent right now. So uh, they're intriguing as well, even if you don't see as many uh, events or high profile events from from our perspective.
0: And when you talk about destinations, you mentioned a few here. I want to just see, pick your brain a little bit. Do any really uh, stand out when it comes into uh, the world of sports travel? Obviously, you have your big NFL teams or your big, your big cities are going to be big draws for the big team names but I'm curious you know because we talked a lot about you know the youth sports side of things really mm-hmm. is uh, has a strong presence when it comes to the the world of sports travel so yeah in the US and internationally which destinations would you say stand out when it comes to sports Ye-
1: sure well I mean obviously we track the big events and the the big global events you mentioned the World Cup earlier as you know in 2026 the World Cup is coming to North America so there are 16 cities including 11 in the U.S uh, that were just recently selected out of a you know a larger subset uh, it was a very big story for us just following that horse race to see which destinations um got the hosting rights for the World Cup and of course in the U.S those are your usual suspects you know la and and New York uh, and Dallas uh, and the like but then you have cities like Kansas City, you know, which was awarded uh, one of the rounds of the World Cup. That's an enormous opportunity uh, for Kansas City. It's four years out, um, but their leaders are already having daily meetings, you know, about organizing those Four or five, you know, uh, the games yeah. that they're going to get uh, four years from now—it's that big a deal for them. Uh, but you mentioned youth sports. I mean, that's kind of where the arms race is right now, if you will, Eric. Uh, of course, you know, we see the professional teams upgrading their stadiums uh, every few years. You know, some, someone's usually opening something for a billion dollars plus. Um, but what's happening in youth sports is just extraordinary. Has been for years and continued during the pandemic. In fact, we thought that some of this growth of venues, uh, multi-sport venues uh that are opening across the country we thought that might slow down during the pandemic and it did the exact opposite i think people doubled down knowing that there would be a tremendous rebound you know once that uh, experience was over so you have uh, just uh, absolutely uh, enormous youth sports venues being built in cities like mesa arizona or uh, uh, spokane washington these are places that are investing in uh, in facilities, um, sometimes they're grass facilities, sometimes they're indoor facilities. Uh, Louisville, Kentucky comes to mind. They just opened an indoor track and field uh, venue uh, on top of a, a soccer stadium for their USL team. And so that's kind of where things are, are happening right now, Eric, at the, at the youth level. Um, if your community doesn't already have some sort of multi-sport complex that's attracting events, odds are uh, they will be soon or the city down the road will be soon. Um, we are constantly, daily, hearing about new developments uh, in the works uh, that, that cities are contemplating or are investing in or breaking ground in or opening. Uh, it's almost hard for us to keep track of, but uh, it's, it is everywhere, and uh, the vast majority of that growth is happening at the youth level. Youth sports mega
0: sites coming to a city near you, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, it's, for uh- sure, for sure. It's great for the for the industry overall and at large. I'd love to see that. So as we are running t- time here, any closing comments or advice for our listeners as it relates to the world of sports travel you want to pass on? And then also feel free to uh, plug the website and, and your own podcast as well.
1: Sure. Uh, thank you for that. Um, yeah, I would just say when we talk about all of these complexes coming online, they're coming online because there are sports organizations to uh, fill the space. And so you know we just continue to see all of this grow pretty much at every level. I mean, the uh, the professional leagues are one thing. And, uh, you know, they have tremendous marketing arms and and they do just fine. And we're in football season and you can just tell we're in football season right now just from conversations you're having at the grocery store. Um, but all of this is happening at the collegiate level. If you follow collegiate sports, it's blowing up right now as, as they are uh, becoming more and more professional organizations at that highest level. Your Georgia Bulldogs pretty soon will no longer be playing for the NCAA. They'll be playing for the SEC Corporation or whatever it becomes uh, outside of the the confines of the NCAA and we see it at the at the youth sports level uh most of all and that is because there every year are new organizations that are coming online that have events that need uh, homes for those events, and they are filling these venues. Uh, it's one of the things we do at our Teams conference that I mentioned. We connect all these rights holders with destinations and venues. Our conference this year uh, is coming up October 24th through the 27th in Oklahoma City, uh, which is terrific for us. We have a partnership with the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee that does programming just uh, on Olympic sports, which we haven't really talked about. Um, so that is tremendous. Our uh, our magazine, sportstravelmagazine.com uh, is our website. We post stories on this industry daily uh longer features we also have a podcast the sports travel podcast that you mentioned uh where we bring in leaders uh, of the sports events industry so you know for your audience uh from a travel perspective i think they'd be surprised and and find some interesting angles especially if they're sports fans of uh of sports events maybe from some ways that you wouldn't necessarily think about them
0: love it thank you so much jason i really appreciate you taking time to jump on the show man
1: thank you thanks eric it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for having me on
0: Absolutely. That's all the time we have for this week's show. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great week.